From Washington, this is the CQ Budget Podcast, your leading Capitol Hill source on how Congress allocates federal taxpayer dollars. I'm David Lerman, your budget tracker. And I'm Jennifer Shep, budget and appropriations reporter. And the battle lines have now been drawn over infrastructure spending. Republicans presented their own plan for an infrastructure spending package that is much smaller than President Biden's plan. And so we want to talk this week about how different these two plans are and what that means for the prospects of getting an infrastructure bill in coming months, because it seems like they might be a lot harder now to have any bipartisan deal. Uh, Senate Republicans this week offered up a five-year plan that amounts to $568 billion. That's roughly a quarter of the size of Joe Biden's plan. Jen, there's a huge partisan gulf here over infrastructure spending. Yeah, it feels a bit like deja vu, David. Um, If you remember back to when the Biden administration originally released its $1.9 trillion coronavirus relief proposal, Senate Republicans came back with their version, which was about $618 billion. And so that had a slightly smaller um, dollar number difference between the administration and congressional Republicans. But this is an even bigger gap for them to bridge with the difference between what is, you know, more than $2 trillion proposed from the Biden administration and then less than $600 billion for Senate Republicans. And so whether or not Democrats in the Biden administration view this as a serious attempt at negotiation remains to be seen. But initial reaction um, from Democrats yesterday after Republicans rolled this out was that they're very skeptical Republicans actually want a bipartisan deal with the Biden administration based on their top-line dollar figure as well as various elements of the package and how Republicans propose paying for it. Yeah, you know, the most telling thing to me, Jen, Senate Republicans had a little press conference to unveil their plan. We should say, when when we say it's a plan, I mean, this was a two-page brochure. I mean, there was almost no meat to it at all. Um, with just a few numbers of how they would how would they would divvy up some of the money, and no way to pay for it, so it, it was not a fleshed out proposal. In fairness, it was just a sketch of an idea, really. But the most telling the most telling thing to me about watching them was one of the big graphics they used was was this chart that just said what is infrastructure. I mean, there's not even an agreement on what infrastructure is, much less how to pay for it. And Republicans are making the point that when they're, they're talking infrastructure, they're really talking about a much more traditional view of infrastructure, much more scaled back, roads, bridges, rail, water, airports. They include broadband, but that's about it. Um, and when, when Biden and the Democrats are talking infrastructure, they're really looking much more broadly to encompass a whole host of what they call human infrastructure, care infrastructure. I mean, they are really stretching the term to to, um, push a lot of priorities the Democrats have that they think are necessary to um, help the economy recover. Um, And so there's a huge gulf there. And that, that really does explain this huge difference in price tags, because if you're just doing traditional roads and bridges, well, then 
you could argue these plans aren't that dissimilar, right? I mean, the, the costs are roughly in sync. You can get there in a bipartisan way if you're just going to limit it to roads and bridges and water. Uh, on the other hand, it's clear Democrats aren't going to settle for that because they want a much more sweeping package that includes, I mean, Biden's plan had over like $400 billion just for elderly care, home care, paying more workers, uh, manufacturing research. There's a whole host of, you know, over $200 billion in public housing. He's got a whole range of stuff he wants to do in here that Republicans show no appetite whatsoever for doing. I mean, that is a huge problem if there's going to be a bipartisan bill. I think there's also significant differences right now in terms of how you pay for an infrastructure package, regardless of how you define infrastructure within that package. And one of the things we heard from Democrats yesterday, um, including Budget Chairman Bernie Sanders and Finance Chairman Ron Wyden, is that the way Democrats, the way Republicans, excuse me, propose paying for this essentially is with repurpose coronavirus dollars and by sort of broadening what state and local governments can use their coronavirus relief funds for in terms of potentially funding infrastructure. And so one of the things we heard from Democrats yesterday is that they really want this proposal to address uh, the corporate tax rate and particularly ensure that large corporations pay what Democrats refer to as their fair share of taxes and it sounds like there's a really big interest in making sure that those pay-fors address these corporations that through various different, uh, you know, sort of tax code loopholes, uh, sometimes don't pay any money in taxes. And so I think that's going to be a really big sticking point here, in addition to settling on a bipartisan definition of infrastructure. Right. I mean, Biden would raise big money under his plan raising that corporate income tax rate from 21% to 28% would raise something like $1.3 trillion over the next 15 years, uh, according to a projection I saw from the Committee for a Responsible Federal Budget. I mean, huge money. And then, then he would nearly double the global minimum tax on U.S. multinational corporations for another $750 billion. There's a huge money raised on corporations to pay for his program. And Republicans just aren't going to go there. Their message at their press conference was, we're not going to reverse any of the 2017 tax cuts that we did that we think is what was responsible for the best econ economy we've seen in ages before the pandemic hit, rightly or wrongly again. But that was their view, is that, is that their tax cuts in 2017 spurred a, uh, a great economy and we don't want to undo that. Therefore, these tax hikes on corporations are off the table. And once you say that, you set up another huge chasm over paying for anything. Um, Republicans did talk about taking unspent money from the COVID relief package, but it's, they didn't lay out how much money they actually think they could tap from that. It seems to me Democrats are quickly going to pounce on that and say they're going to rob money we need for COVID to pay for infrastructure, and that's a non-starter. Um, so I don't know. Maybe they can get a little money out of that, but it's not clear how much. And then the only other thing Republicans really talked about was the idea of user fees, 
And there's merit to that. And uh, clearly, I mean, there's talk about a a mileage tax uh, because of the advent of electric cars that escape the federal gasoline tax. If you do a tax based on mileage, you could have owners of electric cars pay into the highway trust fund. Some Democrats have expressed interest in that. There may be a bipartisan deal to be had there. It's not clear to me yet how much money that raises, but you know that only gets you so far. Um, so there's a huge <laughs> chasm in how you pay for this, much less how broad the package should be. Um, it's not looking very, very promising. Yeah, I think there's definitely a lot of differences here, not only on the spending side, but on the pay for side as well. And I think the big thing that I'm watching for in the next few weeks is who really gets around the negotiating table if there's going to be a serious effort to enter bipartisan talks and try to reach a solution in the next month or two on an infrastructure package. Because who each party puts forward is going to give you a really good indication of how serious they are about these negotiations and then potentially uh, some hints as to where they're willing to compromise. And so, you know, if Democrats put someone as left-leaning as budget chair Bernie Sanders on a serious negotiating panel, it might make things a bit more complicated in terms to getting to a bipartisan negotiation Um, But, of course, if Democrats feel that Republicans are not going to be serious about this, are not going to try to reach an actual bipartisan agreement, they do have the reconciliation route. This is something that Democrats have been talking about and sort of hinting at or even just outright saying they're going to do infrastructure through reconciliation for weeks to months now. And so I think, you know, In the next month, there could be some serious efforts at negotiating a package. But if Democrats really start advancing, you know, things through the budget reconciliation route, either through revising the fiscal year 21 budget resolution or trying to get going on the fiscal year 2022 budget resolution, I think that'll give everyone a pretty good indication of the legislative pathway forward and whether or not it's going to be traditional or whether or not Democrats are going to try to go at it alone, which will still be complicated for them because they have very narrow margins in the House and Senate, as we all know. And, you know, getting all Democrats, moderates, progressives, and everyone in between on board with one infrastructure package could be really challenging. Yeah, I mean, my own takeaway from looking at these two plans is a bipartisan deal just seems less and less likely. It's still not impossible. Both sides say they support infrastructure, but it just seems less and less likely and that the reconciliation route is is going to be the way Democrats move pretty quickly here because they want to get this done uh, without dragging it on till the end of the year is what they've said. So um, hard to see how much they have to talk about on long bipartisan lines with the chasm being so vast, as I said. Democrats were quick to pounce on this as being totally inadequate, almost a non-starter. There was the one hopeful sign, I guess, came from the most predictable source, uh, Joe Manchin, the West Virginia Democrat, who most wants to work along bipartisan lines and often sides with Republicans. Uh, he did say his point yesterday was that, look, this is a good starting point because, you know, if you remember last year, Republicans 
came in at around $600 billion as their initial stab at pandemic relief. And by the end of the compromise, they got them up to about $900 billion, I think it was, by the end of the year. So therefore, there's room here to negotiate and something may be possible. But boy, pretty much everyone else was pretty sour on this on this plan on the Democratic side and just said, it's totally inadequate. And how could you not even ask a penny from corporations to pay for infrastructure when corporations depend on good infrastructure to locate their businesses? Um, so I don't know. I, it does seem to me as though the reconciliation route is more and more likely. And as you said, Jen, I think we'll know pretty quickly if we start seeing action on a budget resolution, which is the first step they need to do to get instructions for a reconciliation bill going. Yeah. And I think, you know, like I was saying before, really who starts negotiating this package, not just for congressional Democrats and Republicans, but for the Biden administration is going to be a pretty good indication of how serious Republicans and Democrats are taking efforts to get a bipartisan package. You know, if the West Virginia senators are, you know, both sort of leading the way on that, Senator Shelley Moore Capito, who really unveiled Republicans' proposal this week and is the ranking Republican on the Senate Environment and Public Works Committee, if she and her West Virginia colleague, Senator Joe Manchin, are sort of taking point for their parties on an infrastructure package. I think there are, you know, some indications there that there's interest in bipartisanship and trying to work something out. Um, but if each side puts sort of people more on the edges of their political party on this eventual possible negotiating team, you know, I think that'll be a pretty good indication that they're going to be getting ready to go with reconciliation behind the scenes. But of course, if they want to advance this through reconciliation, they still need more moderate Democrats on board. And some of them have expressed concerns about using reconciliation in general, even if it's for a package that they would support in theory. And so either way, there's a lot of obstacles for congressional leaders to figure out here. And on the timeline that they've set of getting something done by the end of summer, there is a lot of work to be done either way. I know we've gotten really sort of numb in a certain way to high price tag legislative bills during the past year with the coronavirus pandemic, but members of Congress tend to move really slow on negotiations. And so giving them just a few months to do what will likely in the end be a $1 trillion plus package isn't a whole lot of time for that. And so I'm very curious to see kind of what benchmarks each party sets for themselves and whether or not they can stick to those. And we should say that this thing could become even more complicated because next week, uh, President Biden is, is going to give his State of the Union address where he is supposed to lay out the second phase of this recovery plan, which deals with education and childcare and, and paid leave. Another huge, huge package that'll be over a trillion dollars. Uh, so that could get end up getting mixed up with this as, as, as time runs out and everything gets going here. I mean, th that could really complicate uh, trying to get any bipartisan deal anyway um, on infrastructure if it, if it gets tied into other stuff too. So there is a lot going on that's going to be really complicated and very time consuming. And we will follow it all for you. That does it for us today. 
If you have any questions or comments about our podcast, we'd love to hear from you. You can always drop us an email. The address is cqpodcast, one word, at cqrollcall.com. The CQ Budget Podcast is produced by CQ Roll Call, a leader in nonpartisan political and policy news and analysis for more than 70 years. CQ Roll Call is part of Fiscal Note, a global technology and media company. Thank you all for listening. I'm David Lerman, your budget tracker. And I'm Jennifer Shutt, budget and appropriations reporter. You can always stay up to date by subscribing to the CQ Budget Newsletter. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast. You can find us on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, NPR One, or just Google the phrase CQ Budget Podcast. And we'll be back next week.